Welcome to Live with Dom Marie Podcast here at Dom Marie Healthy and Fit, where we bring you amazing episodes from around the world every single Tuesday and Thursday. Today's special guest is Dr. Jovita. She is a plastic surgeon for breast implants. She also has studied cancer research, and her famous quote that she has on her website is, learn how to live your best life without guilt. Stay tuned for Dr. Jovita to come on and tell us about her life as a plastic surgeon. And we're live. All right. So welcome, Dr. Jovita. Thank you so much. For no thing. You're so welcome. I am completely honored and I cannot wait to get this started because you're so amazing. Incredible. Oh, thank you. So are you. Oh, thank you. So I just want to like let everybody know before we get into the interview, all the amazing things you've done. And then we can kind of go into those questions. So there is a quote that I read um, prior to coming on that is on your website that I absolutely love. Learn how to live your best life without guilt. Yes. Profound, magical, inspiration. I've never seen that phrase ever in all of the things that I have ever read. It is so, it just resonates with you when you say it. So I would love for you to say it because it's actually your quote. It's on your website. Right, it is, it is. Um, You know, I don't know if that was an original quote or if I got that from somewhere, but it's something that really truly resonated with me mm-hmm. because I believe that everyone should live not just their best lives, but to be able to live it with that guilt because we've only got this one life. Yes. That's all we got. And we should not be guilty about how well we live it. Mm-hmm. Which you shouldn't be. So true. Live oh, your yeah. best life without guilt. That yeah. uh, Every time someone comes on, so they give me a quote that I love, and I'm like, that needs to be a t-shirt. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, it, but it is, and I've never seen it before. I don't know if anyone else has, but live your best life without guilt. Mm-hmm. One yeah. billion percent times however big the galaxy is, so true. Right. It is. I, I think it is. Especially as women, um, we are made to feel so guilty about so many things, you know? You're not a good enough mom. You're not a good enough wife. You're not a good enough daughter. You're not a good enough whatever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you just can't be everything to everyone. So you just got to be true to yourself and live what's the best possible life for yourself and have no guilt about it. Exactly. You don't have exactly. guilty. Exactly. And I love that. And also, I love the fact that you are a doctor, a plastic surgeon, a breast yeah, breast, surgeon, breast cancer, breast breast cancer, cancer surgery, and right. you know, you studied cancer research in school. <laughs> You are board board certified. Um, you only hang around with strong women. I love I that do. about you. Power yourself with the women that love you and encourage you to move forward. And I'm from the East Coast, so I loved it when I found out that you went you graduated yeah. from Newark, Jersey New Europe. Jersey. Yes. For yes. yes. Um, and then the other one I have a hard time saying Rooters. Rutgers Rutgers University. University. (laughs) Okay, don't come at me, guys. I'm going to just blame those certain things on my MS brain. It happens. (laughs) (laughs) It happens. Um, And it's just incredible. You actually got an award also that I need to announce. In 2016, you got the Health Award for Excellence from St. Louis American Newspaper. I did. So tell me how that felt, Dr. Jovita, 
like you've already been through school, you went all that, you're a doctor, you're a a plastic surgeon for breast cancer, you bring women back to feeling like they are full again after going through a traumatic situation in life, and then you get this fantastic award. Okay, so first correction first, I am not a plastic surgeon, I'm a breast cancer surgeon. Breast cancer so surgeon. That I do. I do the nitty-gritty of it, and the plastic surgeon does the making everything pretty again. And other times, we do work together, but, but I'm more on the oncology side. But as far as how the award make, made me feel, I mean, it's just really the greatest honor because what it means to me is that I am doing what I was trained to do, and I am doing it well enough that it's been recognized by nice. my patients because those are the people that put your names out there for awards and whatnot. So it makes me feel just really incredibly uh, grateful that I get the opportunity to do what I do and to be able to do it well. Yes. It's just a beautiful gift that you've given all of us. Um, and you're on the East Coast, and I'm sure you have a lot of people that research you that fly from wherever around the United States and probably outside of the United States to come directly to you when they are faced with this. And fortunately, we live in a country where there are excellent breast surgeons all over and excellent plastic surgeons. So when people do research me, it's really to ask questions to make sure that their doctors, where they are, are doing the appropriate things. And that's fine because, you know, I feel that when a woman is going through this type of uh, diagnosis and treatment, mm -hmm. it's really important that she get her care where she has the most support. Yes. So rather than leave home base to come to where I am, I'd like her to find someone who can take care of her in the same way where she is. It's just so important. Very important. And yeah. emotionally, it's not just, it's emotionally, it's draining. It is. It's very draining. I've been through awesome. it in 2012. Yeah. Um, you're already in pain because your body's already been telling you you're sick. Right. Then you find out you have cancer, right. and then they come to you, and you're there to build them back up and tell them that it's going to be okay, that you're going right. to get all of this out of them and get to those next steps. And I know how I was. Yeah. I was an emotional wreck. I'm sure you deal with so many women, and you have got to have the biggest heart in the world in such an amazing bedside manner to be able to to do this job. This is not an easy job, and no, no, it's not. It's it's very it's very emotional, um, and oftentimes, you know, I'm in a room with my patient, the family members, and everyone's bawling. But that's just, you know, that's just the type of specialty it is. And you have to be able to deal with all of that type of emotion. And that's really part of why I picked the specialty. Now, I'm general surgery trained, so I could have been doing appendixes and gallbladders my whole life. But I chose specifically to specialize in breast cancer surgery because I love that connection with my patients. I don't want to cut and then run. I want to be able to be there, the hand-holding, the talking, the watching people get better. Yeah. That's, so that's all part of the specialty that I love. And that is a true gift from God because you either have that emotion from within self, from your inner life and spirit of yourself to be able to give that back to another human being. And that is a true gift because we have millions of doctors around the world. And a lot of them are like you just said, it's cut you open, see you later, good done, I'm, I'm done. And you're dealing with the whole entire package. So then you're also probably dealing with the husbands, right? Like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? What is she going to look like? And, and the children. And the children. Of course, right. 
Yeah, and then sometimes the mother or the, the grandmother, like the whole family, and you're having to stand there and comfort them and calm them down and move forward. And then you have to go home and still be, you know, Dr. Jovita, the, the, yes. the amazing surgeon for breast cancer and a mother of two, and your husband's a doctor. Yes. So your household... Yes. <laughs> I'm sure your phone is always ringing and you're always 100% and you're always caring for everybody. So yeah, tell me how, when you were in school and you were going to do it, when you first signed up to become a doctor, did you know you wanted to automatically go into breast cancer surgery? Or, okay, so what did you actually first attempt and then tell me what okay. was the trigger that actually okay. made you become that breast surgeon. Okay. I'm going to try to keep the story short, but <laughs> I uh, went into medical school wanting to be a gynecologist. Ah. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to deliver babies, you know, it's yeah. going to be nice and happy filled. And when I rotated through OBGYN, I did not like it at all. I didn't like delivering babies. I didn't like gynecology. <laughs> I didn't like none of that. And I did surgery. I think my surgery rotation was before the OBGYN rotation. And I mm -hmm. fell in love with being in surgery. I fell in love with being in the operating room and operating and just the diversity of cases. I just loved that. I felt like I found my place, my own, mm -hmm. in the operating room. Um, but then it was not really until I actually started my training in general surgery that I found the niche of breast cancer surgery. I did not really know that there was a thing like that. But I happened to um, rotate with a woman at the time in New Jersey, uh, St. Barbara's Hospital in New Jersey, who all she did was breast cancer surgery. Uh, and she'd been doing it for years, even before it became like a real thing. It was a, yeah, she was a general surgeon. And then one of my senior residents at the time, a woman, was also interested in going into that. And she and I became close, you know, talking about this. And I saw the process uh, through which it was going to do that. And what I really enjoyed about what uh, that attendant, Dr. Santoro, did was just the connection she had with her patients, the way she would sit down with them and talk. I'd never seen a surgeon actually sit down and talk to a patient. Usually, seriously, no jokes, like three minutes, they're in, they check the incisions, they're out the door. It was like, it was that quick. But she actually, she'll pull up a chair, she'll sit down, she'll hold hands, she'll talk Aww. to me. And I, I love that. I'm like, this is, what, this is what I see as being a doctor. I like the connection. I like talking people through this really difficult time. I love getting them through the difficult time and then seeing them on the other side. Yeah. When everything is done, they're well. They come in, they bring pictures of the kids, pictures of the grandbabies, yeah. they bring tomatoes from the garden, you know, pictures of their trip to Italy. That's that when is, you know you're the best yeah. surgeon out there. No, that's when I know that I am I am where I'm supposed to be. I love that. And yeah, and I that's amazing that you felt that way from yeah. doing that internship with the other doctor. And Absolutely. you are right. The percentage of those doctors that actually sit with us when right. we are in that fight or flight situation in right. life, right. it's it's small. It's, it's yeah. like, you know, out of everybody in the world, it's maybe three, four percent. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I got to tell you, all of my doctors today, yeah. they all sit and listen. And yeah. if they don't, I call them out. Yeah, as, as they should. I mean, as you should. Yeah. They should listen to you, you know. And a lot of surgeons don't have the patience, but you know, the new breed of surgeons and breast surgeons particularly have that patience. And that's why a lot of us go into this specialty. Yeah, I love that. And yes. thank you for becoming a breast surgeon doctor oh, for us because <laughs> unfortunately there is so many women that are diagnosed with breast cancer. Yes, and so then important. and then there's also women like me that just have the tumors and they're extremely painful, but they're not <laughs> breast cancer, but you still right. have to have them removed because 
they're like rabbits. They just keep right. multiplying. Yeah. And they're not friendly. <laughs> I know. I so know. both I sides of the fence, yeah. you're still dealing with you one that has the cancer and one that doesn't, but they're still, both of your patients are still going through that surgery. And then the surgery of the patients that have it within their genetic DNA. Exactly. Yeah. So it's, how it's, do you deal with that type of that next step? Because so, you're not really, you're not removing the tumors or anything. You're actually removing healthy breast tissue, but they have that DNA. Right. They have the, they have the DNA of the genetic mutation. So these are women who has a risk that could be as high as 70, 80% of developing breast cancer in their lifetime. It's almost like a ticking time bomb because you don't know when that breast cancer is going to make itself known. It could be within two years, it could be within 20 years, 40 years, you just don't know. So a lot of women make the difficult decision to do the prophylactic surgery to remove the healthy tissue, like you said. Mm -hmm. but. This is tissue that could potentially kill them in the future. So for a lot of women, it's not that hard a decision to make because they'd rather go through removing the tissue before it becomes cancer because then all we're talking about is surgery. Mm -hmm. We're not talking about chemotherapy. We're not talking about radiation and all the other things that go with cancer treatment. Yes. Um, but it's, it's still, I mean, just the whole thought of losing your breast is still a difficult conversation. It's, still a, it's difficult a hard conversation. Yeah. It's, it's very tough. And it's, um, it's just, it's, for me, it's one of the most difficult uh, discussions that I have to have with a patient. Because, you know, as women, we've got this relationship with our breasts. Well, yeah. I mean, for centuries, our breasts have been number one priority because that's how we feed our young. Right. That's how we feed our young. It's uh, uh, it's it's a symbol of femininity. Yes. You know, it's a sex symbol. So when you remove it, a lot of women then feel like they are no longer women, or they feel they're no longer sexy or beautiful, which is so wrong. which is so wrong. But yeah. unfortunately. That's 99.9% .9 yeah. of the women in the world that deal with that. It is part of of the human brain DNA connection of a female versus right. a male. Right, it is. It is. It's unfortunate. Um, but so part, you know, part of the discussions around it is really to first realize that living or being alive is more important than the breast. Thank you for saying that. And I and I love that you said that, but I our pre-talk, I said to you, you know, after going through mine and having all those difficulties, which were my fault, pushing the pillows, pulling my stitches, getting an infection, yeah, down, yeah. big story. And I said to you, you know, I'm having problems with my right implant and it's getting hard and it hurts. Right. And then I said to you, I got to be honest, I don't want to be without, but I don't know if I want to go through another severe, long surgery right. to get me better, stronger again. And if the first one put me in paralyzation, but then it found out it gave me the answers to my entire life of you're living with multiple sclerosis. Do right. I really want to put that stress into my right. into your body. body again? So I'm like, oh, and then I said, and to be honest with you, I like them. Yeah. That's, that's part of that's part of the female, yeah. right. you know, persona a female right. body like what we're all about right although we do not need them i do want to make right. that a very clear thing i'm just stating my personal opinion on how i view mine and there's, there's nothing wrong with that there's nothing wrong with liking your breasts and wanting to keep your breasts um the decisions and I always I never make that decision for a woman unless it's medically necessary so you just have to decide really for yourself you yeah. know 
your life versus your breast. And then if we are not talking about eye uh, cancer, like in your situation where, mm -hmm. you know, it's more of a cosmetic thing, if it bothers you enough and if the surgery it's is going to be safe, painful. Then, go yeah. Ahead, yeah. then go ahead and do it. And it not is, only that, but a, they were showing on the outside. It looked like right. I was like a rolly hill of that grass. Sure. You know that right. funky it's, grass it's, that doesn't go flat? It's kind of like bumps. Yeah. If it's concerning to you, then yeah, then go ahead and do it. If the surgery is going to be safe, there's no, you know, life-threatening issues with the surgery. Yes, absolutely. Go ahead. Because you live with them every day. And you're going to keep looking at them. You're going to be upset every day. And so it's going to raise your cortisol levels yeah. and then you're going to start to gain exactly. weight or you're going to start to put yourself into right. a deep depression. And then it's right. a nasty roller coaster of emotions. And then by the exactly. time we finally get to you, it's like, why did I wait so long? Exactly. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, it's a difficult thing. And the fact that this I is know, what you do is, every single thought. day, God bless yeah. you. God bless you to all of the women that you, women, men, husbands, everybody. Because actually, men can get breast cancer. Absolutely. Which a lot of people do not realize. No, men absolutely can get it. One in 800 men, as opposed to one in eight women, is less, but it still happens. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I'm sure when a man is told you have breast cancer, that is like, well, you just said one in 800 versus yeah. one in eight women. Yes. That's a massive, huge difference. It's huge. But it happens. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't know. And also, um, do you also deal with uh, young boys growing up when they get that, oh, I had the word and now I lost it. It says like bones. Yes. Can you say that again? Gynecomastia. Yes. Yes. So, so gynecomastia is basically uh, excess development of breast tissue in a man or in a boy. Mm -hmm. And uh, we see it two extremes of age, usually in the teenage years because of puberty and all the hormones, and then we see it again in the 60s. So those are not cancerous, but it's just extra breast tissue. Uh, for a lot of those teenage boys, as they grow up and mature, it's going to go away. And then yes. some boys, if you they lose some weight, it's gonna go away. In some, it persists, and that is just a huge um, form of a huge source of angst for them, especially as a young person in school being made fun of and whatnot. So yeah, a lot of times then they want the extra tissue removed. In which case, uh, we would remove that if it yeah, it and it's actually it you have to cut into the areola and go mm -hmm. in and take that out through a man right. also. Right. Me yeah. Too. So it's almost kind of like the men that have been through it really understand the women that go through it. Right. Because it's right. basically it's, uh, the same thing. The yeah. Emotional. Yeah. It's an emotional thing. Anytime yeah, you have surgery. Any, any type of surgery, yes. It's emotional, yeah. yes. For sure. What was your biggest surprise you had in the last three to four months and why? Boy, in the last three to four months? Yeah, it's been COVID, so, you know, like. I, I, that's, how, that's what I was about to say. <laughs> 2020, 2020 um, I guess. In the spring, hit us with a bang with COVID. So, COVID has just been a huge game changer for the medical world. It's that's so for me, it's got to be COVID. Yeah, yeah, and, and I'm it sure just, it really we manage the way we manage breast cancer through COVID. Uh, we kind of did things a little bit differently, so we've learned a lot about how to temporize some breast cancers and not having to rush right through for surgery for every single person really because of COVID mm -hmm. and our inability to do surgery in those early months of it. Yeah. So do you think that has been a really good lesson knowing that there are certain people with breast cancer that if you have to wait because of what we dealt with during COVID and the hospitals overrun and the the urgency of keeping them safe after undergoing surgery 
do you think that will be put into like a practice from this point on of, okay, well, you're like a level scale, right? Your level one to 10, you right. know, 10 being the worst, kind of like when you go into the doctor's office and you see all yes. those little spaces, where is yeah. your pain level? So you can actually right. help them and kind of guide them if they're, they're at the lower end and prepare right. them for that upcoming surgery versus the ones that are higher that you're like, we got to get you in here now. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it, what I found is that it really, uh, because you know, a lot of the data has come in now, so we've learned a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, what we noticed is that the women that um, were asked to wait and once the data came in and they realized that, oh, it makes no difference if my surgery was done in March versus if it was done in July, mm -hmm. you know, um, statistically, it's the same outcome. So we're able to put that in practice for future patients who, because some patients come in and you sit down with them and they say, okay, get me into surgery tomorrow. I need to get this out of me tomorrow, but that's not necessary. A lot of times, you know, nothing's going to happen <laughs> in two days nothing's gonna happen in two months a lot of times yeah so people are a lot more calm and rational now as far as let's take it stepwise let's do a b c d before we get to the surgery and i kind of like that because we're not being rushed you have time to prepare you have time to right. go do that that pre-surgery like get the foam thing for your legs right. get the warmers that have to like right. build the blood through after surgery you know pre-prep your ba your brain like when right. you're having a baby like right. you're gonna nest you're gonna prepare and then it gives right. you time to do more research so when they do those follow-ups with you they're probably gonna have a lot more questions right Absolutely. So, Absolutely. you know, yes. in the long run, as much as it's been a pain for all of us, I mm -hmm. hope that like what you experienced, I hope every other doctor out there experiences the same thing and realizes these are the things we can do moving forward that not only help my practice, that help right. my patient, which is right. number one priority. Right. No, absolutely. I think I think the whole medical world has learned quite a bit. The whole concept of telemedicine, you know, mm -hmm. now we realize that we can do so much, you know, like this virtually. You don't have to actually come in and be exposed to diseases. Yes. Unless I need to examine you or, or have you have imaging. If all I'm doing is talking to you in the office, I can do it like this. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And if you have to try to see what she looks like, it's very easy to do a, yeah. a breast overload of right. how are you healing? Let me look. Right. And exactly. you can see. I mean, when I came out, it looked like a shark attacked me. I had bruises. <laughs> right everywhere. I had a, the drain tube. The, yeah. The, yeah. It was just... Yeah. That's typical, yep. Yeah, and then, uh, but I'm more of a, I, I write the notes, this is how I felt today, this is what's going on, and I would photograph. Yeah. Every day. Yeah. And at That's one point, I had so many photos in my phone and my breasts, it was insane. But then when I got to the doctor, I had, I had bullet pointed them, like this is where I was in week one, this is where I was in That's, week two. That's super helpful to your surgery. Super helpful. Yeah. And I that's where being your best advocate of your life yeah. and no matter what surgeries you go through, whether it's a dentist Absolutely. or anything else, you really Absolutely. need to document your life. Right. For sure. I agree with that 100%. Yeah. So let me ask you this. was the, um, Would this be something that you would move forward with in your practice that they go home with a care book? of today I want you to be in bed from this time, this time, but when you get up to go to the bathroom, I want you to do a snapshot from the front, the right, and the left. Mm -hmm. And then it's a it, it's a video document versus a right. verbal document, which sometimes you would pick up something that we would not see. That's true, that is true. I, I don't do it as a routine, but if there were somebody that I was particularly concerned about, or I called and or they called, 
And they were concerned about the way something looked. Yes, mm. I'm saying, you know, send me a picture. Of course, I sent securely because of Of course, of course, yes. Um, so, yes, we, we do some of that to some extent, but it's not um, something yeah. that we ask everybody to do. It's just if someone had an issue or problem and I needed to to see what was happening without having them actually come in. Exactly. Exactly. But prior to them coming in, if we are still going through what we're going through today, yes. it would be a good way for you to be able I to visually so. see what is sure. happening. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. So the technology that we have today right here, having this amazing, you know, podcast live is right. incredible that it you is. can share with the world and document. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Um, what has been your biggest, I don't like using this word, but I always ask this question. What has been, been, been your biggest failure throughout your life, but it actually inspired you to grow? Oh, wow. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> what was my, my biggest failure that inspired me to Mm -hmm. Because we all fail. I would, right, we, we do, we do. I would have to say um, it would have been when I first started college. I got into college very young. I was younger than everybody else. And um, I think I was way in over my head, though. And those first couple of classes that I took, I just did not do well. And I had to kind of step back, take a breath, take some time off, and then got my head back in the game. So that's kind of been a lesson to me moving forward, just to step back every once in a while, reevaluate the situation, and then go back in. And that's just really helped me. That's amazing advice, and thank you for sharing that with us. Because you know, going into college, we have kids have a lot of pressure today, and especially today and this past year. They go into college; they're not quite sure what they want to do. They listen to what the parents have been saying all their lives, and then they go in all like gun ho. I'm taking whatever how many credits they're doing, yeah. and then they're like. Oh, God, this is so hard to balance. Oh, my God. Yes. And like, oh. Yes. So I love that you just brought that up because, you know, for all the people that listen to me from the young 18-year-olds all the way up to 70-year-olds of people really listening and what I write in right. the podcast, right. they need to hear that. Mm -hmm. And so thank you yeah. for You're sharing welcome. that with us You're because... Welcome. I've had so many failures in my life <laughs> and I hope that I've been able to grow each time. But that one mm -hmm. is key, especially today. Yeah. Don't take yeah. too much. Take what is too much it? Don't yeah. take too much on or don't yeah. bite as much as you can't chew is the other phrase don't, or something. Don't, don't, don't bite more than you can chew. Like, yes. Yeah, yes. Don't, don't, bite, don't bite more than something like that. <laughs> so Dr. Jovita, um, I don't want, you don't have to give me a name, but out of the patients that you've had over the years, okay. and it could have been when you were, you know, just figuring out what you wanted to do to today as a breast surgeon, a breast cancer surgeon, breast cancer yeah. surgeon, which one of those patients captured your heart that you will never forget? Oh, boy. Um... I was just talking about this to someone, uh, I think within the past couple of weeks of breast cancer awareness month, it would have to be when I was a resident, my early mm -hmm. residency years, there was a young woman from Kenya uh, who was here, had not been here long. Mm -hmm. And, um, she had one of the most advanced breast cancers that I had ever seen. Mm. And she had nobody around, no family around. It was just really hard. And 
and I just remember, you know, we did the biopsies. We knew it was cancer, but we had we did the biopsies anyway to prove that that's what it was, and um, had to get her all sorts of aid to get started with treatment and whatnot, which didn't last long. It was just it was just so horrible the the how advanced it was and. That made a huge impact on me, and that's part of why I like doing a lot of the teaching that I do on Instagram and whatnot. Um, just really trying to empower women to seek, seek care early and not let things go neglected. I never want to see a woman come in where I can feel a lump in their breast. I don't want to feel a lump. That's what we have mammograms for. Want to be able to find the cancer before it becomes an actual lump. So when you have someone who's got an advanced breast cancer, it means the cancer is growing through the skin of the breast. Uh, it's a massive ulcerating wound, or the cancer has spread to the lymph nodes and has spread elsewhere. And you know, in those scenarios, you know, it's just that it didn't start yesterday. It's been brewing for a long time, and they just kind of sat and watched it do that. And I know a lot of it is out of fear, but. Um, I just really want to empower women. That's what that that's what she taught me. Empowering women to pay attention to their breasts. When yeah. something does not look or feel right, let someone know. Yes. And then also it's you can have breast cancer in the lymph node, which is directly right in on here. Under the ambit, it yes. doesn't actually have to be in the breast itself. And so you're constantly having to check all those lymph nodes. Right. So you have to check. Well, we said when you do your breast exam. All the way around. Yeah. You have to check under the arm and the area up above the clavicle bone. Mm -hmm. Because breast cancer, it does always start in the breast. But the first place it will travel to is the lymph nodes under the armpit. So those times where we find the cancer in the lymph node, even though we don't feel a lump in the breast, there's always something there that started it. Yes. It may be that we just can't feel it yet or see it yet, but there's a cell there somewhere. Mm -hmm. So what do you think of today? Because here in California, they're saying, you know, as early as 16 years old to have mammograms. And I'm young. like, but wait, the breast is still growing. And right. so I questioned that doctor. And then we, my daughter went to my doctor and mm -hmm. she was like, no, we usually 20, 21, 22. Yeah. So because yeah, the breast actually doesn't stop growing until 22 to 26. Is that correct? Right. And not only that, you know, mammograms are not really good test for women who are young because when we're young our breasts are very dense the dense tissues is all part of the growing glands and so when you look at a mammogram in someone who's young all you see is just a sea of glandular tissue so lumps are gonna hide within the gland you're not gonna see it on a mammogram yeah. that's why mammograms are not good for young people but as we get older we lose a lot of that gland and it's all fatty tissue so you're actually able to see lumps so for someone who's young an ultrasound would be a better way to examine if they noticed or felt something we'll do an ultrasound not a mammogram so another question about being young, because in today's world, we'll talk about social media a little bit, mm -hmm. you know, the, the glamorous part of social media of older women that have implants because of, not because of breast cancer or yeah. anything that they had to go through because of the, the illness part side, that mm -hmm. they just chose to do breast surgery young teenage girls see all of this right? right so that's a big impact on that age group but then you know i i've seen it it's happened i live in california and 16 17 18 year old girls are getting breast implants and i'm like you're not even done growing your right. breast tissue is not done growing but there are surgeons out there that yeah. will still do the surgery I, and that's unfortunate i mean you're right that the breast has not stopped growing at 16. And if a young woman wanted to have implants, I'll say at least wait till your early 20s when mm -hmm. you have stopped growing so that, yeah. Um, yeah. 
And not only that, I actually, when people ask me, I'm like, well, I breastfed all three of my children. I didn't do this till they were all older and it was yeah. 2012. So, you know, um, I know you can't breastfeed with implants. You can, yes. You yes, can. but, mm hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can. You can. Yeah. I have many girlfriends that have done it and they've yeah. survived and it's all been great. Yeah. Um, what advice would you give to someone that has been through this at a young age, is now married, and is going to go into having children? Okay. She wants to uh, breastfeed, so but she can't. You mean, someone, she can't you mean someone who has had a mastectomy and yeah. cannot breastfeed? You know, I would say, you know, good stuff come in bottles, too. So... <laughs> The baby will be fine. Yes. Yes, it's uh, it's advised. Uh, I believe American Academy of Pediatrics advised that you breastfeed when you can, but not everybody can. Even women that do have breasts sometimes cannot breastfeed. I know that there are some places where women bank their milk. I did. Okay, so that you can then get some milk from there for the baby with all this COVID stuff. I don't know how. I don't know how that would happening. work today. Yeah. I don't know. But I know that uh, some places have that. But yeah, I mean, if you can't breastfeed, you yeah. bottle feed. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I my youngest, my last one, that was just insane. He would drain one and fall asleep, yeah. and I'm like, oh, I gotta drain the other one. But then mm -hmm. they would come back so fast. I think my body yeah. just thought I was a factory. I'm not quite sure, but I'm like, what do I do with all this milk? We were like, yeah. we have no room. And my doctor said, how much milk do you have? I'm like, like three months worth. And he's like, wow. oh my God, I just, a baby was just born and she's allergic to formula and her mother can't breastfeed. Oh, and I'm amazing. like, so what do we do? And he goes, yeah. bring it to us and we'll yeah. see how the baby reacts. Yeah. Then they said, what did you do differently this week? I'm like, uh nothing and they're like did you eat anything different i'm like i had chocolate ice cream the baby oh. broke out so oh. for the rest of the year oh, wow. i gave up chocolate oh, it wasn't wow. my baby that broke out yeah yeah but that's amazing that you could do that for that other mom isn't it that's it was amazing oh, wow. um i didn't ever want to do a personal one-on-one -on -one connection because i yeah. thought that i would be like oh you know yeah. but yeah. the fact that i know that I, my breast did so much yeah. for so long. That's that is so it, great. It was uh -huh. incredible. Yeah. yeah. That I was That's able to awesome. feed another child. Yeah. That is awesome. Wow. See, this is why yeah. we don't want to not have breasts. It's like part of that it's, human yeah. female Absolutely. DNA connection. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I have to say breast surgeon doctors and breast Cancer doctors are better when you're females. I'm sorry, guys. I just had to say it. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. Because because you know. Yeah. There's some great male doctors out there. And yeah, I am like are. all for yeah. it. And I they do incredible jobs. But when it comes to this particular surgery, yeah. I think it should always be a female. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you for choosing this particular line of healing. And yeah. surgical work. So, yeah, I think so. In your life, mm -hmm. just trying to relax, especially this year, being shut down, everything going on. What do you do for yourself that you love? I, I know you love to run, but how do you bring yourself into that Zen place of comfort and peace? Um, you know, it's it's really easy for me. Uh, and my husband, we, we really try to shut out when we're not working or not on call. It's just really about being home and about the family. So I, I love to read. I read a lot. I um, like to run, like you said. I cook. Um, I run an exercise or fitness, fitness group where we're kind of a motivational group of women. So it's just a whole lot of interest that I have outside of working that helped me relax and help me kind of yeah. recenter myself. I love that. And yeah. I love that you take that time for yourself. So I, what is I your favorite 
it's very important to take yeah. time for ourselves. You know, as a mom, as a woman, as a career woman, as someone that works in the garden, it doesn't matter what you do. You just got to take care of you. Most definitely. Yes. yes. Um, so what kind of music do you listen to when you're relaxing? <laughs> I listen to all kinds of music, but I like R&B. And yes. I like some, some hip-hop. So you're always like when doing I'm a little running, dance? Exactly. When I'm running, it just really gets me pumped. Yes. Mm -hmm. I love that kind of music. It's yeah. fun. I love music that just kind of like makes me right. I like giggle. Dancing, so whatever gets me moving, I like. Yeah. Good. That's good because that's very powerful healing. Yes, it is. Yes. Um, and then tell me a little bit about what your mother would tell me if I called her on what you were like as a child. Oh, my God. <laughs> Ma okay, hello. This is Tom Marie. <laughs> so, I I am the oldest of seven. God bless your mother. Yes. Seven. I'm the oldest of seven. I have five girls and two boys. And uh, my mom, she's a nurse, and she walked throughout. She, I, I've never known my mom not to work. So whenever she was at work, I was really the mom at home. Uh -huh. So mom would tell you that I am her oldest, I'm the most responsible, I took care of my siblings, I took care of my house, I was the one that listened the, the most. I did what I was supposed to do always. I went to school, I came home, and I was, I was a good girl. I love that. That's what mom will tell you. I love that. And tell mom she did a great job raising you. And tell all your siblings that they are lucky that you were the firstborn. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Absolutely. Because that's a lot of pressure on a first child. Yes, it is. It is. It's a lot of pressure. You're right. Yeah, a lot of pressure, especially when your par both parents work. And mm -hmm. as your mom being a nurse, I'm sure she had many, like, different hour changes like we do today. And... She did. And then God bless her for having seven children. Uh, she found the time to relax. <laughs> yes, she did. And, and enjoy she life did. and have yeah. seven amazing children. Wow. Okay, if you had XXXXXXX budget, mm -hmm. you told me I had to write a check for whatever. What would you do with the money that I gave you? And what would you do after that? Oh my goodness! Sky's the limit. Okay. Just, just sky's the limit. Okay, I would put the money into cancer research and finding some kind of cure for cancer. I would put the money into uh, child abuse prevention. Oh, thank you. I would. Uh, Put the money into also um, abuse women's shelters. That's another one. Um, so I've done cancer. I've done children. That's my. That's like my two biggest things: children and, and then cancer. abusive to women. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Thank and, you for that. Um, of course, I want. I want to feed the poor. Of course, we all want to feed the poor. If I can, I want to feed the poor. And then I want to travel to every nook and cranny of the world. Me too. Let's book that trip. Yeah. I mean, I've been to a lot of places. Um, <laughs> one thing that I've always wanted to do is I want, and, I, and I've said this since I was a little child, and I haven't done it yet, is I want to go to a third world country. And I want to paint murals because I'm an artist. I yeah. you know I grew up painting. I loved paint. That's I awesome. painted murals while yeah. I was not working, and I had my babies. And I wanted, I want my work to be left behind where young yeah. children that are not That's as great. fortunate, and get to know them and play with yeah. them and teach them how yeah. to. If you're not talking yet, but you can, yeah. you can paint. Yeah. And just bring the light, you know, bring the world alive. And mm -hmm. 
I've been blessed that I've been able to paint in churches and my murals are still on the walls that I was, I painted my children's. So in those little travels of the nooks and crannies of the world, that would be one of the one, uh, one of the other bucket lists. The other one is jumping out of an airplane. (laughs) I know. I'm so interested. No. I don't need to do that. I don't know why I want to jump out of a plane. I just think it's like, just so exciting. Yeah. Oh, no. No, no, no. Mm-mm. So much can go wrong. So much. Can't so much can go wrong, but so much can go right. I've learned <laughs> what can go right is I can land on two feet happy and like hysterically yeah. laughing from my faces when I finally get the photos to yeah. whatever it may be. And yeah, I think yeah. that I just, my view on life is so different from what it used to be as a young child. And I think, has yours changed as well? Uh, I think so. I think it's changed some. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I'm kind of like, just do it. Because yeah. you don't want to get two days out and say, I wish I would have right. done that two days ago. Or right. I should have just gone. I should have just right. have done it. and because. Right. I don't ever want to say I didn't try or I should have, could have, would have. Right. No regrets. No regrets. So I don't know. You know where the thought came from was Angelina Jolie and Tomb Raider jumping out of the plane. You know, I'm like, oh, I want to be her. Like, come on. Bring it on. Put me in a Jeep. Put me over the, you know, the mountains and just let me go. Sure, I'm sure. Some side of body double, sure. Yeah. 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 I might try to do the jumps myself, and if I get hurt, okay. <laughs> so, what would be the greatest adventure now? I've gotten you to that that lit all the little spots in the world that you want to do. Are you going to be adventurous? And what would it be? Swimming with sharks. Looking for, you know, going through Tomb Raider type of thing. <laughs> like, you are you know ul- this is your ultimate superhero power. What do you want to do? So, what I would want to do that would be kind of daring is, I'm, I'm not a swimmer and I don't swim, but I would love to dive. I would love to see what's underwater. Uh, snor- uh, yeah. yeah. Scuba diving. Like scuba diving, yeah. yeah. I'm again. I'm not a swimmer, but I would love to do that. That would be amazing because there's yeah, some pretty incredible so, things under there. It's beautiful underwater. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And the people that actually do it every day—that's yeah. that's just an incredible I gift. Know. Yeah. I well, know. you got to make that happen. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm gonna. I gotta call. I gotta call your husband. Book a vacation. <laughs> yes. In these tropical islands where she wants to go. I can scuba, yes. Where you can learn. It's I believe it's three days of learning uh-huh. in a pool and then they bring you out right. but not like super deep but deep enough that you can do it. Yeah. Okay. That would be okay. pretty incredible. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That will happen. That will happen for sure. Of course. Because you're yeah. just gonna you're just gonna get it you're just gonna do it. Yeah. Who is the one person in life that you most admire? What I admire the most right now, um, not family member, I guess. Just, I think I admire Michelle Obama. Um, I admire her because of the whole, you know, you go low, we go high. Mm-hmm. She's just been able to be so incredibly uh, gracious through. What was a very tumultuous uh, eight years in office, uh-huh. where you know most of the time she really wanted to speak what was on her mind, but she couldn't. She kind of held it back, and that type of grace under fire is very admirable to me. I love that grace under fire, and she was she was the one that was able to express it for you. That's beautiful, mm-hmm. and it's a beautiful point of life. The people that can bring grace under fire and really hold it together for Mm -hmm. the unity of 
the United States, the unity of the world, the unity of life is a powerful exactly. thing. Yeah. Right. It's a powerful it's, thing. Yeah, it's a very important thing, yeah. And, you know, we're, de we're dealing with lots of it still today. And, you know, it's I, I love the phrases that you did. The one in the beginning that we talked about that's on your website, you know, and then the one that you just said, grace under fire. Right. Because yeah. every day something's going to happen. And you have to something's go. You have, have to have yeah. grace to deal with it, acknowledge right. it, feel it. Scream if you have to, cry if you need to, but acknowledge it and pull it in and hold it to where you need to hold it and learn from it. Absolutely. Yep. So you have two girls. I have a boy and a girl. A boy and a girl. So yeah. what, I mean, at this point in life, they're living with two doctors. What do you think <laughs> they want to do when they get to college? Well... They're older. My kids are older because I'm old. My, I, my you're not old. old. Yeah. I, no, nobody's not. Well, nobody's old. <laughs> well, my my daughter is. Uh, she's a new doctor. She just finished. Uh, she just she's graduated from medical school in May. So she's a doctor. And Congratulations. My son is in college. He's studying biomedical engineering. Wow. Okay. Now, biomedical engineering. Yeah. He's brilliant. All they're doctors both, are brilliant. They're but both brilliant. They're both brilliant. Amazing. I don't know where they get it from, but they are Well, they get it from brilliant. you and your husband. Of I course, that's they're where they get it from. I was smarter than I ever was. I was never that smart. Yes, you were. <laughs> yes, you were. Because you wouldn't be where you are today. Okay. Yes, you were. Well, congratulations on both of your children you. becoming doctors because... That's just like, that just radiates. What do, what do your children do? They're both doctors, <laughs> right? But I mean, we're proud of whatever our children do, you right. know? I mean, all three yeah. of mine are totally different. One's an already author at 22 years old, the three books. The other one is a photographer, yeah. adventurer, fitness yeah. instructor and then my daughter is going to school for kinesiology and to be a nurse so it's the, yeah. it's kind of like yeah, yeah everyone's different. different yeah different. and you know i think that being a mom when we were when our kids were young and today and then the generation coming up the generation coming up needs a lot of guidance yes they do that's my personal opinion, but they need a lot of guidance because there's technology in the world that we're using right now that is way too prevalent in their young, early there's, ages. Yeah, they have way more than we did. Mm, yeah, I have black and white TV. And yeah, you're right. And so, yeah. And that's what we're here for. We're here to guide them. Yeah, yeah. So do you ever see yourself wanting to teach at a certain point? Or go into the colleges and still do what you're doing, but go into the colleges and teach a little. I don't know. I wouldn't want to do formal teaching in school. Mm -hmm. I would probably want to do teaching like like, like this format on uh, social media yeah. or uh, a webinar or something like that but not in a classroom where I'm sitting in the front of a classroom full of people. I think that's probably becoming <laughs> an cave way of teaching and learning, don't you think? I think it's our, I th well, yeah, then you're like calling us dinosaurs. We're archaic. <laughs> <laughs> so. that's, that's how we learned, I know. But, <laughs> but so true, so true. <laughs> Um, yeah, but I guess if you could do it this way, that would be great. And I love how your Instagram is because everyone, you need to follow her on, um, her Instagram, which is actually Dr. Jovita. Yeah. Live with Dr. Jovita. Yeah. Oh. And it's amazing because she actually does true or false. I love those. Yeah, the true or false yeah. all the way through about breast cancer yeah. and just the information yeah. that you put out there is incredible. Thank you. 
And it takes a lot of time. You're working, I don't know, probably 50, 60 hours a week. And then you're still yes. teaching us through Instagram, which is incredible. Try, so that's why I, best. yeah. Well, and that's why I asked, yeah. do you want to teach? So, yeah. because yeah, you are so teaching so us. Much, um, yeah, there's so much misinformation out there. And I like to bring in the, you know, the true news to block out the fake news <laughs> that's out there, basically. <laughs> well, it's true because you even posted, I don't remember which one, but you posted one about is this true or false with breast cancer. And yeah. I believe it was if you ate something, would you get breast cancer? There was a bunch, there was a bunch of them. I yeah. The one that I posted was uh, true or false, breast cancer is contagious. Because some people yeah. actually believe that breast cancer is contagious. I'm like, really? <laughs> so, yeah. It's hereditary, but not contagious. Not, not contagious at all. No. Yeah. And I think that's where a lot of people mix those perceptions yeah. up. Yeah. Yeah. It could be hereditary, but it right. doesn't mean you're going to get it. It no, just it means doesn't. you got to pay attention right. and you got to do your, your right. breast, it, uh, you know, checkups. Sure. You got to pay you know, and just keep learning from there, but do your research and learn. Right. And I just, I'm so grateful you came on today. You honored us with your precious time. You've taught Thank us you. so much. You are an inspiring doctor with a beautiful heart of gold. And thank you for sharing so the story with us about the young girl that you will forever remember. And don't wait, anybody, please, if you are male or female, because even though it's one in 800 men can mm -hmm. get breast cancer, it still can happen. It can happen, yes. So if you it notice can. something is wrong or different, get to the doctors. Women, please do your checkups, right? For sure. And do your checkups. Do your checkups. Uh, Go to your doctors. Your doctors. Get your mammograms if you're 40 or over. Mm -hmm. We'll see what other uh, imaging modalities are available for you. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, take the best care of your body because this mm -hmm. is the only home we're ever going to live in. We, li <laughs> we live in a home. Right. But this is our house. Right. So yes. if... The eyes are squeaky. You got to fix them. If mm -hmm. the teeth or the teeth are loose, you got to go in and get it tightened. Right. It's Absolutely. just like running your car or running it your is. home. But you got to run is. your personal health and your body right. even better than any other part of anything you own. I so agree. I agree with that one hundred percent. Yes. And that resonates. This is the only body that you are ever going to live in. Yeah. And need to take care of it the only one we don't get a second chance i mean i i kind of well yeah that's a whole nother story i do believe in a second chance i i don't know if i get to come back i may be able to come back yeah that's a whole nother topic but um yeah take care of this yeah and even when you're 20 don't be out on the beach putting, right. you know, uh, baby oil on you to get a darker tan. The I skin will it. age. You will damage right. your body. Right. Pay attention to what you put in your body. Mm -hmm. If it's always in a box, you're destroying your DNA. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Listen. And, and, right. And that's, that's so true and so profound because we know today that what we're eating put it into our bodies have an impact on breast cancer development so we know that some breast cancer is hereditary but a lot of it is environmental environmental what does that mean because the air we breathe in so the chemicals we're breathing in and the food that we're actually consuming and then the other thing that's huge is how we're moving are you exercising mm -hmm. that has an impact the more obese you are the higher the risk of breast cancer these are all yeah. data that we have so it's it's important concept to eat healthy and move move your body yeah whether you're sitting and you're tapping your legs yeah. or you're sitting and you're like i'm working but i'm moving yes. you mm -hmm. can move something 
-hmm. right? Yeah. And um, also pay attention to the types of milks and things that you eat, females especially, because I was feeding my kids whole milk, vitamin D. My daughter ended up getting breast super early at the age of nine and her menstrual cycle. I did not know because of the way that they were producing the milk back then. Right. Sped up her right. female anatomy to right. start sprouting early. Right. So the extra hormones. Yes. Yeah. So there's so much to continue to learn. And it's I appreciate lot, yeah. that you put that into your feet every day. Yeah. And I'm honored to call you my friend and my sister of the group that we're in. And Don Marie, yes, you too, definitely. Thank you so, so much. To, so good to meet you through this platform. And what yeah. you're doing is amazing. The awareness uh, for MS, all of it is absolutely fantastic. And keep up the good work that Thank you're doing. Thank you. You too. And yes. keep, Thank you know, you. thank you for healing all of the women yes. in the world that come to you and getting them back on that road of success and feeling Appreciate passionate it. again because you are so needed and Thank so you. loved. I know you're loved from all of your patients and I know that they bring you baby pictures and Christmas <laughs> gifts and they're going to keep coming back and yeah. it's because of your love and your passion. And your grace you. from God that you, you so are in this field. And I'm honored. So thank you for gracing well, us today. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. What would you like to tell anybody as we're leaving the um, interview and the podcast on Spotify and Apple? What would you like to leave your final thoughts with? I would leave it like we started, which is live your best life without guilt. I love that. I love that. You need to make a t-shirt. <laughs> Live your best life without guilt. Yes. Yes. Please put that in your office. Okay, I will. Yeah, that would be amazing. I love that. Thank yeah, you so, thank you. so, thank so, you. so thank much. You. And thank you, everybody. Thank you. I'm honored to have been here. Thank you. Have a great evening. You too. God bless. Thank have a fabulous one. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.